So you like that? What'd you guys get? Because we talked about this a little bit last week. Do you sense that you're part of the inner circle with that song? Do you, I mean, I feel like every time I listen to that song, I'm just in, in movement, in flow. Which is actually the way prayers were done in Aramaic. There was a, oftentimes a song component or a rhythmic component and a movement component. Whereas today, we have been hammered to go into our closet, assume the position, and pray hard. God, you got to hear me. Why is that? Matter pushing matter. Yeah. Matter pushing matter. And you're not, you're not perceiving yourself as already part of the circle. You're not perceiving yourself as whole. Yeah. Yeah. So when Jesus was teaching about the Lord's Prayer, somebody, somebody go to Matthew 9 a minute and read the Lord's Prayer. And while you're getting there, when he was teaching about the Lord's Prayer, he was teaching a countercultural perspective at that moment. Matthew 6, what did I say? Oh, 6, 9. Sorry. 6-9. He was saying, you guys, there's a, there's a part, there's an essence of prayer that we live in. Not step into, but we live in. Yeah. Okay? Who's got it? I've got it. Read it. Which version? Doesn't matter. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The NIV leaves off the last part. Read it from the NIV. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When the phrase evil one versus evil was added later in most texts. Think about that. Why? Because that's the theology. That's the theology. So when you hear that read, what does that stir in you, anything, positive or negative? Yes, both positive and negative. What? What's it stir? Well, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So the same as there as here, that's positive. What does that suggest? Separation. Separation. Yeah. What else? Well, then I drop down to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So if I don't forgive people, I'm not going to be forgiven. That's what we were taught. If you, then God. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, don't, don't lead us into temptation as if he could or would. <laughs> we, uh, uh, aren't we pretty good about going there ourselves? <laughs> but deliver us from the evil one, which is there's one evil one out there that's causing all this mayhem. chaos. Which means he's, he's got to be at least as equal in power to God then, right? Right. Yeah. And he's outside of us. I mean, we don't it, have the authority to. Yeah. 
it conjures all up all of that stuff up, and it's like it's almost like it's an impossible task, isn't it? I mean, oh my gosh, it's beyond my control. I get I really don't get any input. It's the sovereignty of God coming down from somewhere outside of me. So would that be kind of psychotic? I don't know. I'm not a counselor. Where's Aaron when you need him, right? Right. Now that we know who it was spoken to, that makes a huge difference. Sure. Yeah. It It was spoken to a people who had this image of God that he's unknowable. He's out there somewhere. He's going to establish a kingdom, but what kingdom were they expecting? An earthly kingdom with a warrior king. He's going to beat the snot out of those Romans once and for all. And he's not even going to hand them a Kleenex. Okay, but even what we have here is distorted. It's a distorted narrative of what was really said at the yes. time. Yes, yes. Well, how do we know it was really said at the time? We have Aramaic texts from, from somewhere right around the end of the first century, which when you translate them directly from Aramaic, it's a completely different context. Good, let's hear it. Where can we hear that? We're going to, the next two weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. And, and just to emphasize, how many have ever heard of R.T. Kendall? Yeah, sort of. Tell me, he's, he's a 20th century... Uh, theologian who did he do the Lord is my shepherd? Um, I'm not sure, but he wrote a book called The Lord's Prayer. And I got to read this to you, and, and I just want to hear what you have to say. Let me find it here. A couple things, just a couple of pieces out of this book. Praying wrongly is when we don't pray in God's will, either from wrong motives or ignorance. A prayer prayed outside the will of God may or not be may or may not be answered, but the only guarantee of answered prayer is to pray in God's will. I feel like I'm going in circles already. It's called circular. Well, you know, circular reasoning. Yeah, <laughs> we know this because God promises to hear us when we pray in His will. Does He only promise to hear us when we pray in His will? Doesn't He know our thoughts constantly? He hears us before we call. Yes. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So he's taking a verse, but then he's ignoring other verses. And he's putting the comma in the yeah. wrong spot. The difficulty is we don't always know we are praying perfectly in the will of God. Well, I might as well give up then, right? I might as well just curl up and die because I'll never know if 100% of the time, according to this guy, if I'm in the will of God. I'm so thankful for grace. But grace says, I'm already there. I'm already in the circle. So I'm like scratching my head. And then he goes on to say in another part, there are some lessons for us as we approach the Lord's Prayer. First, there is a kind of praying that does not please God. It is praying that profanes his name and his nature. Second, there is a kind of praying that does more harm than good. This happens when a prayer... When, when a prayer shows contempt of God's glory and encourages people to do the same thing. Third, there's a kind of praying that doesn't get God's attention, for example, when praying is done to impress others. Wow. Now, I will say, Jesus chastised just before this. He, he said, don't pray like the Pharisees who stand out in public 
and make prayer known. He really said, you know, and then there's that go to your prayer closet. But the prayer closet is, if you, if you translate that literally, it's a place. But if you trans, uh, translate it metaphorically, it's here. Okay? And as we talked about last week, Aramaic prayers can be, can be translated literally, in which case there could be multiple literal meanings, can be translated metaphorically or spiritually. And in the context of that, it depends on what's going on at that moment in your life. Because it's a relationship. How you translate it depends on where you're at at the moment, in one sense. Because if I need direction now, I don't need yesterday's direction, I need today's. So we have to be careful. I mean, to me, that this is about as legalistic as you get. And then, let's see if I can find one. To put it another way, the aim of prayer is to be heard by the Father. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) This Hebraic thinking goes back to the Hebrew word Shema, and every Jew knows about the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema means both to hear and also to obey. That's the kind... Yeah, go ahead, Ron. Uh, is this book got any redeeming thing, or is it just to point us to how bad it's Well, you know... I'm asking that when you came out front with the book, I'm going, I, I, you know... We'd immediately get our pen out, because we're going to... Okay, there's a good... There's, there's a hallmark ending here. Yeah. Let's put it this way. I, re- I completed three chapters of the book and never finished it. Great. Okay. okay. Well, great. So, we're always in the will of the Father. Always. Realize, and, and this, Kendall's writing from what kind of context? He's writing from a Western theological mindset that starts in separation. Evangelical. Evangelical. Yeah. Okay? And if that's, the, that's your starting point, you're going to end up there unless there's a, a Damascus Road experience. Sharon, did you have something? Well, I feel like we should, first John 5, you know, like 13, 14, 15, and all that kind of answers it, where it's saying that we engage in an unreserved conversation face-to-face with the Father. We know that it's his delight to be our audience in whatever we may ask, and that we're convinced of his delight within us in this place of intimate conversation. It's clear that our every request is held in the same echo. Basically, we already have what we've asked for because he's so delighted that we're even, you know. Yeah. Where are you reading that from? First John, Bible, from the mirror. John 5. Is it so they... Oh, First John? First John 5. Mm-hmm. What verse, starting with what verse? Um, I think that's, uh, I mean, it kind of starts in 11 where it's clear God's given our lives back to us, and then it goes into um, his delight in listening to us as we're talking to him all the time. Mm-hmm. That we're right. constantly yeah. talking to him. And... Jesus made it clear that in our conversations with God, we come like a what? Child. How many of you know all the answers to the universe? The when, where, why, how? Stuart, Stuart okay. We, we, we anoint thee the supreme knower. Well, I'm going to say uh, Mary and Ron are working on it. They're working on it. On what? But, is there, but, but will there... W- let me put it this way. This this side of transitioning to the spirit realm, are we going to know everything there is to know? 
we can, we can learn more and more every day. I think I already have it in me, but I don't know how to tap it yet. In one sense, because if Christ is in me, and everything is sustained through Christ, eventually I will learn more and more if I have enough, hour, if I have enough hours on the earth, so to speak. One of the things you learn is how much you don't know. And one of the things you learn is sometimes how much you don't know. But if I'm coming as a child, like, when, when you had a three-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, what were some of their common questions? Why? Why? Mm-hmm. Watch me, Daddy. Watch me, Daddy. <laughs> Daddy, what's a car? I mean, just full of questions. So in this relationship... Questioning is cool if you're coming from a childlike perspective. But I don't know how many times you heard you go up to the the powers that be that supposedly know and you'd ask a question and go, You don't need to know that. You shouldn't you shouldn't even be thinking about that. But isn't curiosity part of the childlike heart? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're told that we won't see the kingdom unless we have a childlike heart. Yeah. So I want to start out today, I want your feedback on the phrase, Our Father. What do you think, based on what you know today, Our Father means? Say that again. 100% inclusion for everything all. 100% inclusion of all. What else? I just go to our creator. Our creator? I go to I go to family. Family. Yeah, that uh, our father is Papa. Papa. Can you ever be cut off from family in reality? Blood is blood, right? Family's family. Now, we can phase in and out of relationship, but family is always there. It's about relationship, intimacy. Family knows everything about you and all about your past as well, but they still love you. Yes, he knows all about you and still loves you. Thank God he knows everything and still loves me. Ron. Thrilled with all of his children and everything they're involved in. Thrilled. Delightful. or Delighted. Let's put delighted with that. What have we been learning, though? There's a, there's a key word we haven't hit yet. Union. Union. All of this is built on union. It used to be I'd come home from church and my dad would say, well, what did you learn? God, we're for him. Now, now what did you learn? Union. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, he's for us. God, yeah. he's for us. <laughs> well, if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, apparently the devil, if you, fin- if you take that literally. <laughs> right. Um, so father is an intimate relational concept different than what the Jews understood. And in the context of Aramaic perspective, it's, it's all about union, not with just God, but it's a union with each other. It's a union with our environment. It's a union with the, the invisible realm. Let me, let me ask you this. Can, you, can, the, can the invisible realm, if there are beings there, see us in the visible realm? Yes. yes. 
And sometimes we can see into the invisible realm. In the invisible realm, sometimes known as the quantum, we experience that intimacy, that union, that oneness, that power. See, to, to, to an Aramaic Semite, Semites being the people of the Middle East at the time, to them, this is an extremely broad concept. Father is extremely broad. But in Western theological mindset with his Greek origin, Father is a deity separate from us. Sharon. Because I thought that Jesus said to our Father to bring, instead of being this outside big deity God, that he used the words Father and things like that to make it more um, understanding for them that this is a, you know, good you know what I mean? That it was love and inclusion. Sure, but that's relational. To them, to the culture or the Jewish culture at the time, God was not relational. Well, I know that. That's what I'm confused about because I thought you were saying that... So maybe we're saying the same thing, but I was thinking that Jesus used the words our Father to bring the relationship of God, that he's not this external deity, into their... Because uh, they understood what a father was. They understood a father from their cultural perspective, yes. But when it came to God as a father, loving... Okay. He, he, used, he used the term father to bring them out of God here, but he's also saying with the, with the Aramaic usage of the term father, it's much bigger. It's union not just with the Trinity, but it's also union with all of creation of the Trinity. Okay, so the Jewish the Jewish culture didn't see that. So he's basically expanding their horizons. Let me see if I can read a couple things here. I have so many things here. So I think Sharon, yes, he did it to break through a mindset, but it's a bigger it was a bigger shift than we've been taught. We've been taught it was to make God personal. But it's much bigger than that, because God is personal in all of creation. And if we divorce ourselves from God being personal in all of creation, then we're just left with our relationship, and then how do we relate to creation, and how do we relate? If it's family, it's not just me and God, it's me and all of us. And I think the Western evangelical got away from this. He got away from a sense of community. Our Father, is a sen- if it's union, it's a sense of community. But not just community of human beings, but it's the community of all creation. Does that make sense? I'm getting some really blank looks. Let me see if I can help clarify that. Let's go over here a minute. So this is the consciousness of a Near Eastern or a Semite if you were to ask a Near Easterner to define God, what does God mean to them? They don't answer, as I said last week, they don't answer in theological terms or creeds. They don't think that way. They go, Allah is my very breath, my very heartbeat, and my life. For the Semitic consciousness, the living God encompasses and watches over him as a skilled shepherd 
unceasingly watches over the flock. There's no separation. He's my very heartbeat. I can't even breathe without him. And we know that from in him we live and move and have our being, right? And all of creation comes out of the out of the existence of God, out of Christ the creator. So an Easterner knows that God is aware of his very thoughts and conduct. And so he's not afraid for God to find out anything about him because God already knows. So if God already knows and I make a mistake, God already knows about me, is he going to judge me on my mistake? No, because it's not about behavior. It's about consciousness and it's about awareness. You know, and we talked about last week that Allah, you have the word Al or El, which is the Semitic language or, and Hebrew language for God himself. But Allah is, the, is one interpretation, but everything comes back to Father. Not warrior king. So the minute he says, our father in the Aramaic to them, he just destroyed their perception of a warrior king coming. Because he's not coming as a warrior king. He's coming as fullness of union of oneness. And so then prayer becomes, as we talked about last week, the whole concept of prayer, the Aramaic word slotha, is to set a trap in our hearts, to set a trap in our very being, to hear, to participate, to experience that oneness of God and what he's talking about. So for us, it's to focus, to tune in. We talked last week about the, the, the Trinity is always broadcasting. And as Carol said, it's like tuning the, the TV dial to adjust, to incline. So we're setting a trap by preparing ourselves. Now, part of it is when we talk about our Father, if we begin to meditate on our union and our oneness, what changes in us? Everything, yes. according to Linda. If I'm, if I'm already knowing I'm in union, do I have to perform to hear? No, but I can create a listening environment. I know that I know that I know. Trinity's talking to me all day long. Papa, what do you want to say today? What do you want to say this very moment? You get up in the moment, moment in the morning. Papa, what are we going to do today? What's our fun today? We have a confidence. We have a confidence. There you go. We have a confidence that we're going to hear. That we are hearing. That we are hearing. Yeah, an expectation. Assumption. Yeah. Like Paul said, I pray without ceasing. Yes. That kind of an environment. Yeah, and Greg was talking about Graham Cook last week, who's learning to live in that place where his expectation is moment by moment by moment he hears from God. And that's really our expectation, moment by moment by moment, that we hear from God. Now, sometimes, as we talked about last week, some of those lower emotions, you remember those lower emotions? Sometimes they rise up and they become static that interferes with the signal. So, with the common sense. With the common sense. Yeah. Static that interferes with the signal. And we can then adjust to eliminate the static by breathing, 
meditating, techniques like releasing. If, we, if something comes up in the moment, we don't resist it, but we recognize it. We see it's there, and we release it. And those are things that we're learning right now on how to strip away the static to fine-tune the signal. Does that make sense, Carol? And then Ron. I was just going to say, though, Thursday night we were talking about clutter. That's what you're talking about, that static, that clutter that, that's in the way. Yeah. And that resides in our operating system. Yeah. It does. It resides in our subconscious. And it's stuff that maybe has been there since birth. Yeah. But um, it, it directs the way we think a lot of times. Yeah. But I, I think I'm learning this week especially that there's only just X amount of that clutter. But that we are fearfully and awesomely made and that our subconscious is a pretty powerful positive force in our life and it runs the show. And once we start to clean the windows off, uh, boy, it's really cool. So I, I at first was like, this is endless. You know, I, I have endless amounts of clutter and it's kind of like looking at my closet, something, you know, this is endless. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is it's not endless. It's just some stuff that we can become aware of and allow God to uh, remove from our yeah. operating system. The thought that it's endless becomes a limiting belief. It really does. And, and, and then you're just like hopeless. You just get hopeless. Yeah. yeah. I'm always going to feel like this. You know, I'm always going to think this way. Yeah. Our Father can actually also be transfer, translated, O birther of all. We're born it through him, right? We're created through him. And he, the father, well, mother. New age to me. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I hear you. The, the birther of all, the one who breathes life into all things, into all, right? Yeah. Into all people. Now, I blew, I blew Ron's circuitry the other night, the other day. I had Carol send him a video of this guy who has been hypercritical of Don Keithley and, and Global Grace Seminary and Steve McVeigh and Andre Rabe because they all teach that God's never been angry with his children, right? And this guy finally, finally goes and says, yep, I agree with that, but there's no children before the birth of Jesus and those who come after all, the, all those under, from, through Adam were created beings. They weren't children, and therefore God could smite them in the Old Testament if he wanted to. Now, but if God, if, if actually when Jesus says, Our Father, he's saying, O birther, O Father, Mother of the cosmos, you create all that moves in light. Now that guy's got a problem. Because Jesus is saying we're all one from the beginning. Yep. It, it's so fascinating. I love this. This it, is amazing. Isn't it? Yes. And, I, and poor Ron, he, he emails me back. My, bull, my BS meter, I almost said it. My, B, my BS meter is maxed out. Don't send me anything more like this. <laughs> Wait, I had another. And I, I looked on Amazon for a new one in there, and, and, and they're on back order. 
yeah. something that I went on about, you know, they're out in the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> Los Angeles, the Los Angeles. if that means anything to you, let me know. <laughs> and so... It's all my fault, because I found the video. Yeah, you found the video, and I told you to send it to Ron. But, so, what, I, what I'm trying to get to here is even recognizing our Father just from a sense of and a personal one-on-one relationship, it's bigger than that. It's a one-on-one relationship with all of creation that wow. we're part of. That's fabulous. Now, that also means then, and here's kind of a translation that the guy that I was trying to show you, he actually takes just the phrase, our Father which art in heaven, and this is what he writes about it. O birther, father, mother of the cosmos, you create all that moves in light. Jesus is light, right? Isn't that what John 1 talks about? And we are made of photons. O thou, the breathing life of all, creator of the shimmering sound that touches us, respiration of all worlds, we hear you breathing in and out in silence. So when we are setting a trap to, to, for God in prayer, we're creating a space in our heart where we can hear him breathe in and out. So when we do breathing exercises, what do we sometimes some of the some of the some of the proponents of breathing exercises they say focus on your your breath in and your breath out. Hear it, experience it. And you know when you're doing that you're actually experiencing the heart of God, the breath of God. Cuz didn't John put his head on Jesus' chest and listen? To and listen? Yeah. yeah. And then he goes on to say source of sound in the roar of the whisper in the breeze and the whirlwind, we hear your name. Radiant one, you shine within us, outside us. Even darkness shines when we remember. Name of names, our small identity unravels in you. What does that mean? Our small identity unravels in you. Our limiting beliefs go away in his presence. Our limiting concept of who we are goes away in his presence. When we, and it goes, um, name of names, our small identity unravels in you, and you give it back as a lesson. You tell us who we are. You establish our identity. Give it back as a lesson. lesson. <laughs> Worldless action, silent potency, where ears and eyes awaken, there heaven comes, O birther, father, mother of the cosmos. And so... Wow. So that's just about our Father. He has something like that for every part of it. But he's saying it's big. It's personal, but it's also big. It's personally big. And when we slow down and go, hear breath to breath, breathe in, breathe out. Oh, Father. I flow in your light and your energy. I mean, it all connects back to who we are. One of the reasons I think we haven't seen the kind of healing power and presence that they saw when, when Jesus was walking the earth was because shortly after that, it became about, how do I define what just happened? <laughs> Instead of experiencing... This is a call to experience. It's not a call to a checklist. It's a call to intimacy. Yes. Yes. 
on the deepest level. Uh, yes. And that doesn't mean, and don't, don't get me wrong. So, you, know, remember, you know what a flare prayer is? A flare prayer? Oh, help. Help, help. <laughs> One time I, was, I, I lost control of a car going down a hill on ice, and the car starts spinning, and I just go, Jesus, help, Okay. Next thing I know, I'm in a ditch, and I have one of those metal posts that they have with reflectors went right through my gas tank. But it did not explode. Wow. That's a song, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, that's a, that's a flare, I call that a flare prayer. That's, that's a prayer out of the depth of my heart in an emergent situation. But that shouldn't be my everyday prayer. My everyday prayer should come back to intimacy. And it's not, and it's, you know, sometimes, you know, you, there's, there's a hundred ways of explaining how to approach it, but every one of us has our own way of approaching intimacy with God. Now, again, as I mentioned earlier, in the, in the, it was not uncommon in the days of Jesus for prayer to be joyful, to be motion, to be rhythmic. And, and I'm not going to try today because I'm not sure about the internet. But sometime in the next couple of weeks, I'll try to I'll play this from the I'll play the Lord's Prayer song in Aramaic for you. It's really cool. And there's even different versions because people put different tempos with it because their own specific frequency. My frequency with intimacy with Papa may be different than yours. And traditionally, I think church has tried to put us all on the same frequency. Where they can control us. Well, where they can control us or where it's less messy, so to speak. If we're all on the same... you're out of line. Yeah. But, but if you raise up a child in the way they should go in the natural bent of that child, that means my frequency should be different than yours. And what happens when we blend multiple frequencies? Music. Harmony, music. Yeah. And, and so my way of worship might be a little different than yours, whereas before we were taught conform, now it's like, it's okay. Explore, explore. So then we go on to in heaven. What's the concept of heaven? Out there somewhere. <laughs> out there somewhere. I love it. That was what I was taught. Yeah, above the clouds where all the harps yeah. and angels hang out, are sitting on clouds. Yes. Now what you heard, you did hear from him say from an Aramaic perspective, within and amongst. Right? Within and amongst. Which means within and within all of you, too right? Because you have heaven in you, I have heaven in you, collectively we're in heaven. And that's the place where light, life, intimacy can be explored. Here's, here's uh, in, this, in this line, in heaven, it's where you're going to find light and sound and experience becoming a reality. Remember, remember what was what were the names of um, Noah's kids? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Yes. Like you know what Shem means? 
unity in which everything lives. The divine name, light, sound, experience returns in the form of unity in which everything lives. In heaven is the place, not geographically, but the created space where everything lives. In unity. So you've got the concept of union experienced in the form of unity. We shouldn't have 41,000 plus denominations. And heaven is the place then where the vastness, the awe, the joy, the creativeness of God becomes part of our life. It becomes that space where we experience that. That means that's the space that, of which we experience life, healing, joy, peace, the kink, the righteousness, joy, and peace. It comes from that inner space, and it's not limited to me, but it's, I, I look and I see it all in you too. I see it out in the creation. You know what, those snow piles? I see it in the snow piles because it's part of the cycle of the now that I'm in. And so it, what it does is the Aramaic perspective takes my mind off inward focus, but it's a place of inward experience, but it also has an outward component. So our Father who are in heaven, immediately I'm, it's not just me and Dad, but it's me and all of us and Dad. Ron. Then you love everybody. Yeah. And that, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. In there because uh, you, you just look at everybody totally different. And uh, which then, guess what? A lot of anxiety comes from looking at other people wrongly. Long, long. Yeah. You take that away, it's like, wow. Yeah, what do you do with all that extra energy? Create. We paint. Yeah. See, it, this is it, this is the this is really the place of peace, joy, and just a sense of life or vitality. I mean, you can describe it in multiple different ways, but it, it, it's it's a state of being, in a sense, where because I'm I'm comfortable, I can re- in this union. This intimacy, I can relax into peace. And if I'm in a place of peace, where's my energy going? Creatively. This is the, you know, when, when Papa creates, when the Trinity creates, they're creating and out of a sense of peace. It's not a, they're not doing it out of need. They didn't do anything out of need. They did it out of a place of peace. And so this is just me. So when I approach our Father who art in heaven, it's just me moving into that place of peace. And again, we may have to, from time to time, clear out some things. Some debris from trauma. Marilyn. So things don't go round and round in your head that bother you. Yeah. Yeah, we learn. We learn through our union and our intimacy, Papa, teach me how to play, to go to the place of peace. What do little children do? Daddy, teach me. Daddy, show me. Right? Mama, how do I do this? Little children, ask to be shown. 
I don't, I don't create it out of my own thoughts. I let him show me. But more and more, it flows out of my sense of inclusion. I don't have to perform. Carol? Um, when you were backed up a few minutes ago, you were talking about the peace and joy and sense of vitality in heaven. The other word that kept coming to me is the sense of order. Everything is in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and in harmony and because the opposite would be disorder and discord and those are very very troubling very very that's a lot of clutter and when i can come to the place that it's everything's in order yeah there is order even though if i look in the natural it doesn't look very orderly yeah somehow some way somewhere you know there is order and um yeah it, it's the place of light be. It's the place of everything sits. Well, when Carol, sorry, yeah. my hand, but when Carol was just saying that, what immediately popped in my mind, obviously, is going to be Genesis, where it was without form or void and all the chaos and then the whole spirit that that God being there put everything in order yeah. and started the creative. Yeah. Creative. Yeah. I, you're right. And, and, Come back over here to this back side of the board where we have all of those levels of truth, levels of falsehood above the line, below the line. Oftentimes when we're, when we're in a prolonged state below the line, there's still something in us that says there's got to be more. There's got to be relief. There's got to be healing. And that's that longing for that place of peace to come up. Don't you think? What do you think? I think that we're special. We're we're not like every created being. We're the only beings on earth that always long to improve. We want to get a little better at what we're doing. We want to see it done a little bit more effectively. We're always uh, aiming higher, and um, and I think. It's just part of our creative makeup to want to be like God in our creativity. Mm -hmm. We want to just continually move into a better state. I I, I think that shows that we are His, that we act like that, that we feel like that. And He puts that in us. He puts that desire in us. That incorruptible seed, it's always growing. Yeah. Yes. It's growing spiritually, emotionally, physically, intellectually. That's that drive, that desire, or whatever, to grow. It's that incorruptible seed that is already yeah. in us. And every single person has that. Not every single person taps it. Those who are struggling with those negative emotions, they have difficulty going there. But we, if we recognize union, completeness, and wholeness together we can begin to share that with someone who's struggling. We don't even have to touch them. We don't have to be in their presence, but we can begin to see them experiencing the fullness of this. Because we're in union when we begin to, well, we used to call it prayer, but now we understand that when we pray, in quotes, when we pray, we are actually creating for them. We're yes. creating a better life for them. We're creating them healthy or creating them healthier. You know, you're creating a margin space that pushes back 
the struggle so they can breathe. And if they can then breathe deep enough, Holy Spirit can then go, gotcha. Now let's talk. I had something Go ahead. this week. I was talking with Aaron kind of at great length and a little bit heatedly about um, metaphysics, you know, because I've been spending quite a bit of time digging around in that rabbit hole. And um, he said his big concern is that there is what you would call, uh, um, what does he call it, Ron? It's, um, you know, oh. dualism, but it's but it has to do with quantum, quantum dualism, where <laughs> if you do this, then this will happen. Legalism. You know, legal quantum legalism quantum is what he calls it. And I, it kind of got me because... Yeah, they, you know, they're pretty specific. If you do this, then this should be the result. Well, how is that any different than legalism, right? If you do this, then God will do that. I was just kind of sitting, I don't know, I was listening to somebody, and it hit me. That's not really what any of the natural benefits that we have available to us is about. It's about our becoming aware. So... He said, I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. So that means if you eat right or you exercise or you use quantum physics or you whatever, there's all this natural law stuff that's been created in us. It's not an if you then God. It's if you become aware God has already done. And it's not a matter of works ever when we start to incorporate the things that he's laid in place for us to use. Mm -hmm. It's not works. Mm -hmm. It's awareness. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge difference. So let me read you the supplemental aspect that he, this guy writes about in heaven. I'm sorry, this is um, Klotz, Neil Douglas Klotz, who wrote the Prayers of the Cosmos. I actually read part of it already to you. It's it's the radiant one. You shine within us, outside us, and even darkness shines when we remember. Heaven is that place where the light shines also in us. And that's where, that's that place of wordless action, silent potency, where ears and eyes awaken, there heaven comes. So it's that place in us where we just, you know, you can say, calm. Yeah, calm ourselves and let the light, you know, embrace the light of of God and let truth come forth. If and if I need to know an answer, that's the place I'm going to get my answer. Carol. So instead of trying to understand, okay, how did this come about within me? You know, when did this happen? What happened? Uh, do I have to go back and figure it out? No, we just allow the light to be in that. Situation. In the situation, the circumstance, in the space of our body, just allow light to be there. And if we need to know, that will come. Mm-hmm. But we don't got We don't have to go digging. We don't have to go, uh, you know, hunting for the source or the event that happened that maybe we don't remember because. Yeah. Sure. So an illustration of that, I've had a couple of those this week, or last week. Like I have had, I'm, I'm very visual, so a long time ago I had a, like a vision where the Lord and I were dancing, which was the first time I've ever had that happen. 
And then my foot, my left leg got caught in a bear trap. And then he turned away and started going away from me, the Lord did. And I was trying so hard to go after him. And the thing that happened is my left leg came right out of its socket and stayed in the bear trap. And I caught up with him hobbling and we continued dancing. And I was so frustrated because he didn't even care. Like he didn't care. He turned away from me and he didn't care that I didn't have that leg. That was back in 2008 when that happened. And that's bothered me ever since. And last week, he showed me that that bear trap actually was a good thing because it took away belief systems that I couldn't go into the next place. Mm. So that, you know, that phrase, I like to stand on, he was like removing that because I couldn't go. But from 2008 till 2022, it's bothered me that he has turned away from me mm. and, and didn't care that I was wounded. Wow. And that whole. And yet I was whole. Mm. So isn't that, that, that's an exact thing yeah. that Carol was just saying about. I need to know. Yeah. Can I share one other one? Yes, you may. Okay, so then uh, Carol asked me a question yesterday, and I've been bothered by a bunch of stuff. So when I first got saved, basically I had five, ac or whatever the term is back in the day, I had five accusations against the Lord. And I'm like, you're not real, you're this and that because of these five things. I had five open visions that night before I even knew what was going on. <laughs> all those five things. Those five things are still an, an issue in my life. Well, I have this bad problem of what about me, and everybody else has everything but me. And I have had this vision, and an open vision of like, God's got this party barge at the lake and everybody's on the barge having fun and all the blessings and everything. And then there's this broken down pontoon, and that's pontoon boat. And uh, there's a broken down one right next to it. And that's the one I get to play on. And he keeps asking me to bring people into the kingdom, bring people in, you know, invite them to church, let them know who God is. And I've always said, like, how? Why would I do that and get them on this broken down so a few years ago probably around 2010 i finally said okay i'll do it so i invited a couple friends and he laughed at me and put me on that party barge and we sank and i said never ever to anybody again well the yesterday morning um he reminded me of that and then all of a sudden the vision was larger and then he motioned to me and I went up this hill to this cliff overlooking the lake and ocean with all these mountains and way down there was the two party bar the barge and the barge. He wanted he wasn't even allowing me on that boat because there was so much more all of this that I couldn't even see because I was so focused on those two little boats. Um. And I'm like those are two huge mindset shifts that he brought up to me to set me free from beliefs I've had about him and me and the way the world operates mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, I didn't, you know, it was just a, so again, like what Carol said, it just, you know, he just is doing it. Well, and that correlates to what we were talking about a little bit on Thursday night. Love forms our beliefs. Now, we also talked about hate can form our beliefs, negative emotions. But if we, if we can come to the place of love or peace and joy in that love, it will change our beliefs. 
Now, coming back here a minute, just, just here, and I want to finish this part up. It's hard to separate our Father who art in heaven, Father in heaven, because it's in that place of peace and joy and that sense of wholeness that we experience Him at the greatest level. So if I'm struggling in the peace and the joy area, I'm gonna, I, I, I may believe this intellectually, the union and oneness, but I may not have yet fully experienced yet. Okay, because this is an experiential relationship. It's not intended to be a head relationship. And that's what I think also part of what Jesus was trying to break through in that day is get out of your head. Experience. And that's not always comfortable for us Westerners. Because, you know, we've been taught that experience is the... Mother of deception. So, Father, I'm going to just close this section out with this. Father is the absolute one being, the pure oneness, the unity, the source of all power and stability. Boy, isn't that a mouthful. A birthing, a creation, a flow of blessing as if from the interior of this oneness to us. In our interior union, it's like an artesian well. The breath or spirit that carries this flow, echoing the sound of breathing and including all forces we now call magnetism, wind, electricity, and more. And the vibration of of this creative breath from oneness as it touches and interpenetrates us. So we have a breathing that's sort of on the inside, but we can also experience, we can have a sensation of being breathed upon. Because remember... In, among, in and among. Boom. It's, it's, it's vibrancy. It's life. And every author that talks about this that I've read says it's just a matter of us pausing intentionally to experience. Yeah, we'll, we'll save Hallowed Be Thy Name, Thy Kingdom Come for next week. We're going to do this in chunks. Um, but but at this point, just realize it's. I mean, we can we can just sit here and. Um, what have we been talking about in terms of imagination? Can I not imagine Papa breathing with me, in me, on me, and that will bring a sense of peace at that moment to me. And every time I start to rev up because of something coming up. We know breathing works because we've been practicing it here. It slows us down and it takes some of that away. And so over the next, you know, and many of you are, are, are practicing releasing techniques of different sorts and, it, and it's nice to have a quiver full of them, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Have many of them in your toolbox because they may not all work the same at one moment. They pop up at different times. They do. It's crazy. You know, I've learned over the last three years, maybe five different techniques. Crazy how one will just pop. Well, this is the best one to use for that. It's like that. Well, this is a good one for that. And because because Abba is multifaceted, why would one? Why would just one be the answer? Okay. If he wants us to experience the fullness of life, why not more than one technique than our tool?
Feedback to me. What are you hearing today? Greg. Oh, we'll go somewhere else with this. Okay. When I, I think about going back to where they were in their culture at that time. And if it had been a typical Jew, it would have been our ruler who is in the temple. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is trying to get him back to go to our Father who is in Eden, where you can walk with him in the cool of the day, mm-hmm. where you can have that relationship. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get him away from looking at the legalistic way of doing things, knowing that your Father is always here. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's in your presence. He's not, he's not the ruler of the temple. And your place of intimacy is walking with him in the pool of the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it makes me think of, why was Enoch so loved by God? Because he just walked with him. Mm-hmm. He just had a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to take them to a relationship. Yeah. That's going to come again. Yeah, what's well, here? It's just, un- we're awakening to it now. Mm-hmm. Mary, you were going to say something. No. No? Surprisingly Mary? enough. Anybody else? What are you hearing? What about online? Valerie, Muriel, what are you guys hearing today? Go ahead, Muriel. Um, I'm just hearing, I think, what everybody else is hearing and feeling, that there's that ever-present closeness that we have with him. And it's something that we can share with others more, with, with more joy and with more confidence. Whereas a time, there was a time when I really didn't want to share the gospel that I knew before because the gospel we know now and our understanding is so beautiful and so you want everyone to, to, to know about it but everybody's kind of stigmatized over all the years of learning the other way so the more we learn about it the more it settles in our heart the more it's going to exude it's going to just come out of us yeah. and share that with the world and it's it's going to be like fire I am so glad. Yeah, I'm so glad I'm not judged by the, how many notches I have on my lead them to Christ belt because I don't even have a leaf lead them to Christ belt. I never could get one on. <laughs> I, I always had the uh, the Sharon attitude on that my entire walk. No way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Valerie, you got anything you want to add? No way. Oh. Um, I've been pondering the comment about the fluidity of the the prayer of where kind of like swaying and the oneness with God is is flowing and I'm thinking about myself personally I my body used my physical body used to be really stiff and tight and the more I focus on the oneness the less tense my body is mm-hmm. it's like very flowy so I I love how it reflects in the physical as well that's good. That's really good. Remember the remember uh, Baxter Kruger, the circle dance. Yeah, yeah. The, that whole concept becomes more real when you understand it comes from an Aramaic perspective. Mm-hmm. I just think it's awesome, and, and I've only scratched yeah, the surface. Blowing but, my mind, actually. Yeah. I've only scratched the surface, so we're gonna we're gonna pick it up next week. So we're gonna stop here for today.